Hi guys, welcome back to show number 11 of The Substitute Therapist and this week we will be talking about menstrual health. Yes, I pushed for this so much because I just think it's a topic which we all need to talk about more and those reasons will become apparent in the show. But we also will have joining us Kira, who is the co-host's podcast 40 Hour and is on Fusiferm hosting a breakfast show every Friday at 9am. And I wanted to get her on the show because me and Kira often talk about menstrual health together, which (laughs) sounds really weird, but we do. It comes up in conversation a lot. And we've had really interesting chats about kind of our own education in the past, what we don't know, what we wish we had known, our own experiences. We both have had similar experiences and we'll get into more detail about kind of some things which we often talk about. But to give you a kind of rundown of what we'll be including in the show today, we will be kind of touching on school teaching of menstrual health, like how schools can sometimes prioritise male sexual health and experiences above girls' experiences. We'll be talking about period products and kind of in general, the taboo around periods still and our own me and Kira will be reflecting on our own experience of when we got our periods we'll talk about contraception and we're also going to be talking about something which me and Kira often talk about which is endometriosis so that is a rundown for what today's show would include and as always we'll probably go off topic a bit we're going to be responding to some polls and questions we put on our Instagram because we as always we want to make this a really two-way conversation and listen to what you guys have been saying as well and Callum will still be involved in this conversation despite not being able to maybe relate or have authority to speak about it as much as me and Kira do but we've brought her on the show so that she can kind of say her perspective and she's someone I've spoken to about this a lot wow I love a good ramble don't I I'm very excited though, like even though I'm not going to be, I was very always keen for you to like lead this conversation and I feel like with a lot of things we always say like learning and being informed and educated is so so important. Um, So I'm really excited to hear the way that you and Kira take this conversation and for me to add whenever and kind of have a little, little lesson for myself. I just yeah I think it's a really good conversation to have and no one should be eliminated from that conversation because it's something that yeah if you don't know about it or have about yourself you can learn through other people and from other people and be able to ask those questions and be educated and also talk about your experiences or your experiences through other people or your friends or siblings or parents or school experiences um it's all relevant it's all really relevant I feel like that's really important and really pivotal like in quite a few things there's like sometimes a consensus like oh it doesn't affect me like I'm not this isn't nothing to do with me so I'll so I won't say anything it doesn't bother me in that sense that it doesn't directly affect my life so I'm gonna just not talk about it I don't need to know about it and then it's kind of like that ignorance of lack of knowledge just has a roll-on effect and a roll-on effect and we see that with things that I'm we're, we're going to go onto it and talk about it a lot more but there is definitely a roll-on effect from like just not talking about it and just pushing it away because it doesn't affect me um but no I always feel like with everything like the more educated you are the more you can help other people like I'm never myself gonna be helped by this topic of menstrual cycle and a menstrual health on a personal level but my knowledge and my being well informed um, can make me a better person to help other people and to become more informed and educated when I'm talking to other people about it so I think it's really important to have these conversations 
Definitely. And with that, we have a Kira in the waiting in the virtual waiting room. So I'll let her in. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited. No, it's good. Thank you for taking the time to come on. Right. So, <laughs> so school teaching. Mm-hmm. I think we should start with that because last week actually me and Callum we're talking about a different subject but school kind of school teaching and the influence school can have on your awareness about stuff came mm-hmm. up and it comes up with so many different topics but I really think that sex education lessons yeah are ones which are so significant because in our polls we actually asked did you have like we asked everyone did you ever have sex educational lessons in school and mm-hmm. only 60 and I know it's a majority but 60 percent said yes and mm-hmm. I still don't think that's very much and I don't know what your experiences God. were of having kind of sex ed lessons and I mean I, I I went to I went to a like a private school in a small village in Scotland um, and we had quite small classes and everything and kind of the first experience I remember talking about sex ed was when we were like 10 or 11 and it was like really just like this is a boy this is a girl like this is this is what happens and then the boys um were told that they could leave so then they all started to leave the room but the girls had to stay and I remember one of the girls in our class being like, um, oh, why are the boys leaving? Where are they going? And <laughs> the teacher literally said, oh, we're going to talk about the girl problems now. We're going to talk about the female problem. And that for me, I was like, I now understanding kind of like the gravity and like behind that message, saying that to like young boys, like obviously they're not going to understand, like why would they understand periods or anything to do with that, you know? Because if they just get taught about sex and then they're like, okay, you can leave. And now we're going to talk about every issue that females have, which doesn't involve men. Do you know what I mean? Like at such a young age, impressionable age, that to me just like shows like how the education education system I hope has changed in terms of sex ed, in terms of what they cover. I think as soon as you said that, Kira, I was like, that is exactly what happened. Like we had the whole class discussion and then it was like, right, boys, you're going to leave the room now. And so the boys left the room and just had no idea what was being said or what was being spoken about. And then the first time I'd ever heard the word period or menstrual cycle was in year seven and it was in a biology class. So it was very like objective and it wasn't, it, it was literally just like, that is the menstrual cycle. And it was talking about yeah. these things. It's just like very isolated and objective things. They weren't talking about, oh, this is in a female's body and this is, the effects of that it was very objective and isolated so as soon as she said it I was like that is exactly what happened I just left the room exactly I just think like that whole I just think that like symbolizes really every kind of problem I mean like when I think like the men in my life my dad and my brother right (laughs) like that they they understand because they hear me my mom and my sister talk about it all the time and because we all have endometriosis we all kind of talk about it but yeah, I mean, my brother had to leave the room as well. So I think, you know, he's lucky in a way to have us like who are so open and talk about it and normalize the conversation so that when eventually, you know, he's he has a girlfriend. So if she ever had any issues, he'd be more than understanding. But how are, how are boys um, or anyone who's not educated on a subject supposed to know about something if they're not taught about it from an early age? You know, if they're being allowed to leave the room because it's a female problem. And I feel like that then ties into sex as well because as you just said Poppy it's like men this is the pleasure and forget about any of the other that goes on behind the scenes you know what I mean yeah so true and I think it is it fuels a stigma and it fuels the like isolation and it it fuels guys being like thinking that it's like 
sex education lessons it's about like men's pleasure and then like you don't even need to hear about women's pain like you don't even need to be educated by, about that and it's like well you do because like they link in together and like, it's mm-hmm. it's so crucial and fundamental and then it does lead to men not really understanding and not caring as much about either women's menstrual health and like periods and how much pain that is or then later on conditions which such as endometriosis which we'll go more into later but mm-hmm. It means that not just sexually a woman kind of left at the curb and like not thought about because like they're like all they're taught about is periods rather than how to like pleasure themselves and stuff. And men are taught like that is their main concern for like men. And also it's yeah, it's unfair on women, but it's also unfair on guys because like yeah, like I know that my like with Tom, my boyfriend, like he feels bad because he doesn't know. And if he had been taught, maybe he'd a bit he'll be able to understand it a bit better. And like as much as like I'm like you said, like it shouldn't be luck that brothers or whatever like are taught about things like it shouldn't be like oh lucky you've got a sister now you can actually f- like figure out and find out about it, yeah. it should be like everyone's taught that and like they're given the same weighting and same importance rather than just oh yeah like girls you can deal with your pain on your own and then because <laughs> it is it does have such wide significance like mm. and when you're at work like you might need days off because of really bad period pains like yeah. that is a thing and then if you if your boss is a guy and doesn't understand like menstrual health or like how painful periods can be then you won't get that sympathy you won't get that understanding you will be seen to be slacking like it could affect your job it can affect so many areas of your life it honestly it honestly really can I mean just when you said like the job thing for for me 100% like I knew as soon as I kind of hit like 16 I was like there's no way that I'm gonna be able to sustain a nine to five because like for me I need like I need I have when I when I'm on my period I literally am like bed bound that probably sounds a bit dramatic but like I just can't leave my bed like I just am in so much pain and that's usually the way it is for like the first at least three to five days so I was in my head I remember thinking when I was like 16 because I at this point I had so much time off school and I remember thinking right oh my god so if I have like three days off every month that's like that's more than my holiday that's over that's over (laughs) overdrive with the holiday but yeah it, it affects work like aspects like I would be in a rehearsal room because um, I used to do a lot of acting and then like uh, the pain would just be too much and I'd have to leave or I wouldn't be able to give my 100% and just as you said in relationships as well like my my past relationship 100% it definitely does take a toll because it, they don't understand or it, if they don't if maybe it's not that they don't understand but they can't help you with the pain do you know what I mean so they're kind of just there I don't know what experiences you had as well with um period products because mm-hmm. that that as well there was I felt like there was so much stigma around it like I remember whenever even at a girls school I went to a girls school and I was still like hide my tampon in my sleeve like to be oh, seen with the tampon I was like oh my god no one can see me with the oh, tampon god. like the tampon even though everyone in the school uses it or whatever and yeah. I remember but I remember when I first got my period and my mom just kind of chucked me the box of tampons and she was like I'll oh, just go figure it out and she like was a bit weird about having that conversation I think like that yeah. gen- our, like parents generation asked a bit weird because maybe because I'm back in back in their day like it was yeah. just a big wad of like cloth or whatever between your legs yeah. but like I don't know what your experiences were with kind of figuring navigating your way around it because um, for me it was just so confusing and it felt like such a taboo even between women and like since coming to uni I've just been like whatever like I I can happily freely talk about it and I've been much more it's been much more liberated conversation but even in a girls secondary school I was like didn't really mention it it was quite a like hush hush thing yeah taboo 100% I mean I'm I think I was really lucky in the sense that my mom was so open with me about it because she had endometriosis herself and every month like she would be going through the through pain and I'd like hers was really really bad to the point where she got a hysterectomy and um, when she was like 38 38 
um so when so I kind of I remember seeing her like just like in pain you know every month all the time and obviously you didn't really understand but um it was kind of like every month I'd kind of get a reminder of almost like what was to come in a way and but it, it what was good in a sense about that was that she was really open with me about it and I never felt that I couldn't talk to her about it or ask her any questions um, and then when I got my period like she was really really like helpful and even you know what when you mentioned um period products like that reminded me this is a bit of a different topic but like when when we talk about like self-pleasure like my mom was like like after my period I think like a couple months later she was like you know you need to figure out um what you like and what you don't like you know it's okay to like um touch yourself and kind of figure out that situation it's not just for men it's for you as well you know like enjoy your body and all of this and like only now being like 22 to understand like how good a conversation that is to have and like normalizing self-pleasure because obviously coming come coming with like the pain of going through a period and I obviously it's pain pain is relative everyone has different kinds of pain but acknowledging that there's pleasure to be found in like your body as well from a young age is so important because I remember I'd go into school and I would just talk about I would talk about I would talk about sex and periods all the time in a, in a good way because I feel like that kind of normalized a conversation for girls but yeah you're right you talk to your friends about it like in, in my school like tampons were all the rage and stuff it, it was like cool to, to have to use a tampon <laughs> don't don't ask me why um but yeah that was my experience well I was lucky in the sense that my mom was really open but I had friends that wouldn't talk about it and were kind of like oh my god ew, that's really disgusting for boys it was always like oh my god that's disgusting like girls self-pleasure or oh girls have tampons like that was just the vibe and I feel like that's only really changed again since I came to uni I was like screw it like I, do, I actually don't care if you're if you're gonna think something is disgusting that is literally part of the female anatomy then that is just like ridiculous especially by 18 like you know I think that's so interesting what you're saying as well with like our different experiences like obviously I think my mom was just a bit more awkward about it because that was mm. how she was brought up and her parents were maybe a bit awkward about it as well but then your mom to be so open about it is so true but a hundred percent of people on our polls said that menstrual health isn't spoken enough about in sex ed lessons at school mm-hmm. and I think that's really interesting because it's so good to have a parent who's really open and honest and talking to you about it and like I really hope that whenever I'm a parent I can like talk about that and kind of yeah I, I never had a conversation I didn't even realize kind of about like women could pleasure themselves until like yeah. I was probably like 18 like I didn't even re- or like until like a guy told me that I was a thing which is so weird mm-hmm. and like having those conversations with your parents is obviously yeah it's obviously a really good place to have them because it's with someone you love and trust and someone who can kind of explain it in a good way but I do think schools also have a responsibility because some parents like mine probably won't talk about it as much won't be as confident uh, like confident or comfortable talking about it and it's really interesting that you kind of broach the subject of um kind of like self-pleasure because a hundred percent of people again said that they think male pleasure and male sexual health is prioritized and I think Mm-hmm. that's so true as well like no I don't think I ever had a conversation until coming to uni with one of my now best friends about kind of self-pleasure and women's self-pleasure in particular and it's it's just is it's, it's actually baffling now we look back it's on it and, and it's yeah. it is still such a taboo to talk about that sort of thing and I didn't realize it was a thing and it took my like one of my best mates talking to me about like a sex toy she had in uni mm-hmm. for me yeah, to be same. like oh my god this is a thing <laughs> I was like wait where do I get one like I remember being in my flat last year 
or maybe it was the year before I think it was a bit first year and then it was second year when suddenly a lot of a lot of my friends at with uni and in uni had like vibrators I remember she was saying um like my friends I lived with in the flat um they were like yeah I just don't I just don't want a boyfriend I don't need a man and I was like yeah but like do you not like just want to like sometimes just like have a wee kiss like whatever and she was like well no because I have I have like Anne Summer's finest (laughs) expand tell me more like tell me more and then after that like I remember like it was like last was it last Valentine's Day yeah because I had been meaning to get one for ages and then it was Valentine's Day and I was like right it's a sign it's what what better time I was walking back from work and I got one and it's an absolute game changer if there's any if there's any piece of advice I can give any any female listening even men as well like sex toys are popular for a reason they're there for a reason they help they also they help you understand your body and I feel like that is such an important part of like making you as a person self-love like all of the above really and I feel like self-pleasure is really really not spoken about enough it is honestly it's one of the most amazing and enjoyable things to do and from that you have a lot of like self-love and you know like it's just great like it honestly is just great so I honestly can't stress that enough and talk to people about it as well because then they'll then they'll do it as well the amount of friends I've I've managed to go and buy greater <laughs> as me like you'd be surprised like it's unreal it's also it's also beneficial for like period pain and stuff like I've read a couple of articles which say how it actually can really help deal with the period pain and like release some of the pain um but yeah Callum I didn't know what you were thinking about kind of how like the conversation around kind of men's self-pleasure and women's self-pleasure is kind of dealt with I know it's probably gotten it gets better with age obviously because it is kind of an age relevant and restricted topic but I do think it is really vital to have those conversations and knowing your own body before because I don't think I even knew my own body when I first yeah. had sex and I think that's that was quite detrimental to my experience because I didn't really understand myself and or I didn't understand how to get enjoyment out of it mm. and it was probably way too early. like I don't know I just yeah I feel like it is really good to get to know your body and I never knew that was even an option I'd like kind of yeah. someone else got to know my body before I even got to know my own body which is really weird yeah I, I completely agree I think I, I was the same like I I kind of thought it was up to the guy like the whole thing was up to the man which sounds ridiculous but I remember just like not I didn't understand like I don't know about you but like my kind of sex ed it didn't it just didn't none of it taught me anything the most that I was taught was like condoms can be made into balloons like that was really the like that's what I remember helpful (laughs) so great right the knowledge you get no but I just remember thinking like I remember leaving school and I actually went to school in Abu Dhabi for two years as well so they didn't even do like sex ed out there so I only really had like up until I was 16 and you don't get much it's very PG which seems kind of daft considering it's not a PG thing you know I, I don't know I really hope they've changed I mean I know now that they've implemented and um, they talk about like the LGBTQ community and like um sex with sex that, that that sex in in the curriculum but when I was there you know being being gay or being anything else other than straight wasn't even an option you know which yeah. I think is beyond like wrong and outdated especially for when I was at school you know it's not like that was ages ago that was like four years ago you know yeah, that's so true. Like, I'm sure stuff has progressed, but we weren't even at school that long ago. And I keep say- I keep thinking, like, I was at school, like, 15 years ago. And it's like, no, literally, like, four, <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> but, um, Callum, yeah, I don't know if you had anything. I don't know what attitudes to kind of self, self-love. 
self-pleasure were like in relation to everyone's different different bodies and different people I definitely like listening to what all you guys were saying and me and Poppy we say this quite a lot of the time that being in school they're like the most influential like years of like people's lives so that is if there's any time to be teaching people about these things it's at school and I remember like the odd sex education class I had in secondary school I always came away thinking that was like very penis central like the one thing that stands out to me was we got taught how to put a condom onto a banana it was all very penis central and it was kind of like the penis is the only thing in like sexual activity and then even like with things I remember when um the girls and the boys did PE together and I remember this like clear as day I was sat in the hall and the teacher and it was like stood in front of the entire year and there was like periods not not an excuse for you not to be doing PE just in front of everybody it's like them things like get fed into people's consciousness and it's like oh period's not an excuse oh penis is the only thing that's been spoken about in sex education it's like them things being fed into people like you do go away with that and you're like you're just not being informed and educated and we always say like school is the most important time to bring these lessons to the forefront and I think the only thing that I would say about it is the lack of education the lack of knowledge I think more than anything it leads into like a danger territory oh you don't know how to pleasure your body properly so then it will it leads into dangerous things like oh someone else will do it for me and then like it kind of like goes down that dangerous territory if you know what what I'm talking about kind of yeah I think it's it's difficult for then for then you to kind of create boundaries and know what you do like what you don't like what you're okay with and not because you haven't been taught Mm. and I think that's that is part of it as well and that's obviously a bit more of a serious side but obviously there are yeah that it can go it can go into that massive thing where if you haven't been taught kind of what like if you don't haven't explored stuff yourself or kind of understand yourself you don't know what your own boundaries are and then that can lead to serious serious things such as when you're with a guy or a girl and some, someone crosses that boundary but you don't even understand that's being crossed and then psychologically that can be really difficult to grapple with because you don't really understand if it's right or wrong and and it's it's I think it is it can have as serious consequences as that and it can really affect your mental health because you can be then feeling really weird and confused by your own body and by what your own boundaries are because you haven't been taught or opened up to the idea of exploring your own body in that way or boundaries but just picking up on something you were you said I think that yeah it does fundamentally start not at like a young young age but someone was saying how they were taught about periods in year six and then it got pushed back to year five because they got their period when they were 10 and I think they do start talking about periods then but I do think yeah self pleasure and like self-love and stuff like that should be taught in schools maybe not to a bit of a later stage kind of when you're kind of nearing more nearing the age of 16 but mm-hmm. I know that like a lot of people and a lot of guys that I know like started pleasuring themselves when they were like 13 14 so I do think it does need to be brought into the kind of curriculum in some sort of way or be like an open discussion especially mm-hmm. for women who it's it's really not pushed for and I think in the same way and this is the rant I could get onto <laughs> all day is contraception because I know we're talking about menstrual health in general, but it's just so difficult to not bring up because they have so many parallels. Like with contraception, again, it's made into this woman's problem. It's like an isolating female problem. And it's like, well, no, just because like we're the ones who like are going to get pregnant doesn't mean it's our problem. Like we're, I saw such a good post on Instagram, which is like, 
they have the sperm like they're the ones causing the problem so why aren't they the ones taking the pill or having a coil or having an implant and again like that can have such that it just I could go on like there are so many different every, I know you've had some massive experiences yeah. and it would be amazing if you felt able to like no, talk a bit about them no I, I think it's so important so um so I when I was 16 I took the pill literally I wasn't even like sexually active at that point I literally was just I needed it for what was it my periods that's what I needed it for so I, I honestly, it was so long ago, like so long ago now. So <laughs> I feel like this pandemic has aged me like 40 years. Do you know what I mean? Um, sorry, that's actually such an ancient thing to say. Oh my God. No, it's fine. I literally said that last week and I was like, Callum, I can't say that. That's so condescending. <laughs> but also it's true. I feel like no. 80 years old. No, I honestly, I feel old. Anyway, we're not going to dawn on that. So a couple of years ago when I was like 16, um, <laughs> I went to the doctor and got given the pill for my period pain and yeah I was on that for what six months up until I finished my exams and then I just came off it straight away because um it made me really bloated and gained a bit of weight and also it kind of just like oh I don't know how to explain it cloud my judgment if that makes any sense I don't know I can't I can't really remember but I just remember being like feeling not like 100% myself so I was like right this really isn't for me and I'm I don't need it for anything else so I'll just stop and then I think that's when I moved to Abu Dhabi and then I tried I think I tried a different pill and that made me gain quite a bit of weight so I was like right I'll, I'll come off that and I think I was on that for like four months and then other than that I, I was just like right condoms are the one with condoms what annoys me about that is like you don't get told that you can be allergic to latex I am allergic to latex and I remember being like why is sex so painful why why like, why is it so painful and it was because of the latex <laughs> so yeah so once I figured that out that was okay but in the summer this is the this is the story you want to know in the summer I got into a relationship and as well as that my period pain was really really bad like I'd been in hospital uh, twice in June and like on morphine and stuff for the pain so I was like right I, I saw a gynecologist and my gynecologist said look I think you should go on the coil that's probably the best thing to work for you it works for a lot of people with endometriosis and it gets rid of the pain it, you don't have a period for like I think it's like a year you you have a period for three months after you get it and then you don't have a period don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure it's something like that anyway so I got the coil I was so buzzed I I was like I knew it was gonna be sore but and I don't know I don't know Poppy if you've had the coil or anything but you have to take like a pill an hour or two before and it basically makes you have contractions so that your like cervix like opens up so they can like put it in not a fun feeling it was basically like induced labor Oh my God, I can tell you now that put me off having kids for, for like another <laughs> decade until I forget that painful experience. But anyway, I got, I got the coil in and then, um, yeah, I had, it was like the first two weeks and he said, you know, you will have some discomfort. If you work out, you might bleed a bit, whatever. And I was in so much pain. Like I woke up the next day and I was like, oh my God, I'm still in pain. And I literally was in bed for two weeks, two weeks. And I remember in the second week on the, sa- the Saturday night, yeah, I was, I was staying at my my boyfriend at the times and I was meeting his friends and I remember being like, oh my God, like I'm in so much pain that like, this is awful. I was just putting on a brave face because you kind of just do that sometimes. Like you're kind of like, right, I'm just going to like pretend it's not happening. And I had like quite a bit of alcohol or wine or whatever because I was like, I need to like, one, be, not be nervous to like make a good impression, but two, also I'm in so much pain. 
So I was like, I'm going to have a drink before. He was like, really? Why? I was like, eh, just cause, you know, like nerves. <laughs> anyway, then the next day I woke up and I was just like still in so much pain. And it, this was the, the two week mark and you weren't supposed to be in pain. So I got home and I remember just like crying. I was in, honestly, like I just felt so awful. So my mom took me to a and and I just like burst into tears at AD. and eventually like they they checked to see where it was so they examined you and she and usually you just pull it out because they were going to take it out but they couldn't find it because the strings were missing <laughs> so then I had to um then I got admitted to hospital and I was in hospital for like a week because I had to have an operation to get it removed because it, it was stuck in my ovary it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. I mean, I have a friend that has the coil and she's not had any problems with it. So it is just like, I am that 1%. Like the guy, the gynecologist was like, I've only ever seen this with one other person. So I am that unlucky person, but they don't, they don't disclose that that actually could happen. You know, like, I just think from that story, if you take anything from it, I think it's just like, I feel like people are just like, oh yeah, just like go on the pill. Just, um, just get the the coil just get the whatever and it's like it's like a throwaway phrase like just go on the pill the weight behind that if you look at the side effects of so many different contraceptives like they're they're extreme you know I've had friends who've gone on the pill and now have like severe depression and that part of that is attributed to them being on the pill you know in school it was just it was like almost cool to be on the pill I almost wanted to be on the pill because every other girl was you know, and that was just like one of those things that girls did. You're 16, okay, pill, Jane Norman bag, cool shoes. Like that was it, you know? (laughs) So yeah, that that was my experience anyway. I was severely unlucky, do need to emphasize that, but it happens, it happens. Yeah, and I think the fact that, again, it kind of does stem back to the educational system, as Callum was saying earlier, like it it does stem back to being taught about these things. I definitely wasn't Mm -hmm. taught about different modes of contraception and the, the amount of pressure is put on us to have it when it actually where's the male pill like I so I started taking the pill when I was 15 and again not for any reasons to do with sex because my period was so heavy and I was in so much pain and I got diagnosed with endometriosis when I was 15 so I was kind of trying to help with that and so I got yeah I got put on the pill and I've been on it ever since Mm -hmm. and that is coming up to six or coming up six years and what for me gets to me is now that I'm a bit older and a bit more aware about mental health and kind of depression and anxiety and I got diagnosed with depression anxiety in the year two of uni is I now look back and I'm like wow like what happens if this pill is a massive contributing factor to my anxiety and my depression and I just don't know because age 15 I wasn't very aware about my mental health I didn't really understand what anxiety was or depression was and what happens if I come off the pill and like in a couple of months and then look back and realize I spent six years of my life feeling like awful or having gained loads of weight and I just didn't realize because I was so young and so uninformed and uneducated and that that just feels so mad to me that it could have had such a massive impact on my life and I'm always scared to come off it to see if it does like happen now because I'm like I could have wasted like not wasted but imagine if it had had that much of an impact and I come off and I'm just the most upbeat like happy person and maybe it can't have that much of an effect but it does yeah. it feels it is like a massive choice and it can have such massive implications on your mental and physical well-being mm-hmm. and it just feels so mad that we're not taught more about it and there's not a male pill or <laughs> male contraception but I don't know like do guys know about kind of what like 
I don't know, Callum, do you know like what sort of contraception is out there for women or like how much of an effect? I feel like guys don't know the kind of consequences. Of- yeah. And, and why would they? Like, I mean, if we're not educated on it enough, then the guys have no hope. You know what I mean? Exactly. This is what I mean. Like, we're just as, we're like, it's a shared problem. Like, yeah. we're all quite uneducated on it, even though it's like something to do with our bodies and we should probably know about it more. Yeah, definitely. I remember, and it was just coming back to me, I remember our sex ed classes in secondary school. I feel like I have like two of them once like a year and I remember they were always on a Friday and they were always like last lesson so it was always just like rushed and like just like the tea I, I when I was in the lesson it just felt like the teacher was like clicking through some slides like couldn't be bothered and it wasn't even like I remember my one was an RE teacher so like it was like not a specialized sex education teacher it was just like they just picked a random teacher to run this sex ed class and I can remember the lesson on contraception it was literally just a list on the board and it was just like oh these are the contraceptions like available next slide like I never got taught any consequences of any contraception so I knew what contraceptions were out there I didn't know what they did or like what the effects of them were because it was like oh this is it next slide moving on see ya that kind of thing so and I with the whole thing I think what you guys have been saying I think education is so important Mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of people and for my teacher my sex education teacher was a man and when I look back on it it does just feel like he just felt uncomfortable doing it and it's like don't do that lesson if you're gonna feel uncomfortable and you're not gonna do it properly and like your uncomfortableness is so detrimental to like a whole generation of people that are just uneducated and like you guys were saying like can you blame people for not knowing things if they've not had that education from the very beginning i think it's really interesting you bring up how um your sex educational teacher was a man as well because i think actually if they feel and the kind of discomfort that some teachers may feel because if teachers do feel uncomfortable why don't they just bring in people to speak about it? Like, like bring every, like everyone, anyone, anyone in who's like an advocate for kind of body positivity or kind of self-pleasure or like someone who's transgender and like their own experiences and bring like a variety of people in because you don't know like what, like who or what you're aiming certain messages at. And like, everyone's going to have very different experiences and find out stuff about themselves and not everyone's going to go around and be like, yeah so I'm I'm I like girls or I like boys or like whatever like everyone's gonna have completely different avenues that they go down and completely different people they actually are attracted to and completely different experiences why don't they have a variety of different people coming in to speak so it's not just a male teacher talking to you about like like because some people might not want that like they might feel less comfortable and I know when we were in school it was definitely like a male teacher has to talk to the boys and the female teacher has to talk to the girls. And it's like, well, that might not be everyone's cup of tea. I think we're certainly more aware of it in society now of being more open to kind of like reassessing how we've taught stuff in the past. So why don't they bring in people if they're not comfortable? Because there there are people who are very comfortable talking about it or it's their job to talk about it. And I feel like I definitely didn't have anyone come in. Like you have people come in to like do a history class or do something or do like an interactive day. Why can yeah. you not have the same thing with sex? And if if that makes the teacher feel more comfortable as well because they're worried about like, the dynamic between teacher and pupil or something, then that's mm. an easy fix, I feel, as well. And I know that 
maybe schools may not have the budget to do that but there definitely should be money put into that if it means that people can be much more aware about self-pleasure about Mm -hmm. boundaries about periods about supporting each other and like there is there is stuff to be said as well like it's not just menstrual health and female problems it's like Mm -hmm. I know guys have problems with kind of performance or like there are so many aspects we don't know about as well and it would be really good to hear about that and understand that more it's not just it's a two-way street at the end of the day I don't think it's ever as much as we're doing like this show and I push to do this show about menstrual health and also it's endometriosis awareness month which is why I really wanted to talk about it and especially with you um because of your experiences but like I do want to acknowledge that there is so much more than just talking about like female menstrual female like sexual pleasure and menstrual health and performance and stuff like there are problems to be said and like obviously I can't speak about them but with like guys as well Mm -hmm. and in all areas um whoever you are there's there are there are issues which need to be spoken about and I think it does fundamentally normally start with education and kind of when you are slightly younger um I was just gonna say quickly that whether it's taught in school or not like young people still have them feelings they're still gonna go away having them sexual urges and they're Mm. still gonna like be trying to figure out their body so whether that is in school or not that is still going to be happening so why why not just teach it why not just get that education there and teach these young kids in a safe environment I think that's I think that's the biggest thing that stands out for me whether you want to talk about it or not it's still happening so do it in a safe and secure place yeah and I think the safe thing is really important because as much as I think it's also yeah it's about kind of saying that girls pleasure is okay and it not being this like out of world like whoa that's like an actual thing but also keeping it within like safe boundaries in terms of like saying what's kind of like the broad range of things that you can explore because there are loads of things which I probably haven't heard about like in terms of Mm -hmm. sexual things like sexual acts or like performance things or like self-pleasure and like those are different terminology and things that you can try but if you're taught about like kind of the breadth of stuff then you can also kind of be taught of like what's not okay what is okay or like where stuff can get like where boundaries can be crossed and like if you, under, if you understand like the wider concepts of different things then you can also do it like be aware enough that you can practice it in a safe way and practice it in a kind of respectful way as well which I think is yeah really important to stress it's like the safe aspect of it yeah now the chat which we've all been waiting for so for anyone who didn't know this month every March it is endometriosis awareness month which to be honest I only pretty heard about in the last couple of years even though I got diagnosed yes. at age 15 and I want to bring Kira on especially because of her experiences in endometriosis and it's something we often talk about a lot it's something which whilst I got diagnosed at 15 I haven't really thought about until the last couple of years and it kind of took me quite a while to kind of acknowledge which sounds really weird because like obviously I was told when I was 15 but I kind of blocked it out because I wasn't really I don't know what your experiences were getting diagnosed but Mm. when I got diagnosed my GP wasn't ideal I got told I went because of my painful periods had the kind of horrible where they look into your vagina bit which is really uncomfortable and then got sat down and told oh nothing to worry about it's just a little bit of endometriosis and she didn't really explain it that much apart from that the womb lining was growing on the outside of my womb as well and then she's like oh just go and google it like that's pretty easiest and it's like I went skipping off home thinking oh it's fine like just a little bit of something I don't know what your experiences were being diagnosed but I know that that was quite quite shocking for me to have been told it was a little bit of endometriosis thinking this condition was like nothing and obviously it's not I don't want to like like massively like villainize it like 
Mm. I don't want to scare anyone who may be listening and maybe thinking about like if they buy endometriosis, but it affects one in 10 people. It's like a debilitate. It can be a debilitating like everyday condition, which causes massive pain and can also cause massive issues with getting pregnant and infertility as well. And that, I think that's something that majorly scared me. And when I Googled 15 year old Poppy was terrified having Googled that because one thing for me growing up was I've always really really wanted a massive family and kids and I know I'm only 20 years old but that is genuinely what I've been thinking about since like 16 is like I've always wanted a big family and that's not for everyone but I don't know how you were diagnosed and kind of what were the things which struck you or affected you the most so I I was actually only officially diagnosed last year but I knew that I had it from well I mean I kind of always knew so as I said earlier like my mum my mum has it my grandma has it every female um, in both sides of my family has it so it would have been kind of unusual if me and my sister didn't get it and you know shocker we got it and as did my my cousin and my mum's side so I kind of always knew it was kind of the like the inevitable thing and I didn't really think about it too much or I guess deep it until I remember we were going to see like one of those like dancing on ice things where like Mickey Mouse is like what was it I think it was High School Musical on Ice was that a thing <laughs> when you saw <laughs> but we were gonna go and see that me and my friends and like the mums come so it was like four friends and the four mums and my mum couldn't make it last minute and it was because of her endometriosis pain and like that's like the most recent time I remember thinking like oh like mum must be really really sore today do you know what I mean um and yeah then she had a hysterectomy and yeah she was the, the pain was you know virtually gone which was really really great for her um but it's just it's horrendous that that is like the only cure like it's just not good it's not good enough I, I'm sure we'll talk about that more later but in terms of me getting diagnosed I yeah only really got officially diagnosed last year as I said oh I always kind of knew that I was gonna have it but I feel like as you said you don't think like you don't really understand when you're 15 and you, someone says like my mom, my mom was like, you know, it, it is difficult to have kids. It is difficult to have kids. You don't really think about it because you think, oh, well, I want to have kids in like <laughs> over 10 years. That's so far away. And now I guess like, you know, being 22, almost turning 23, you know, like it's not, it's not even something, I don't even think about that that much because that to me is like really quite heavy to be so still so young. And, you know, I do get reminded not on a daily but regularly that yeah it is difficult to have kids and I'm kind of the opposite I kind of went the other way I was like yeah I actually don't want kids I don't really want to have a big family and I feel like maybe that's just because I'm like subconsciously just like I don't want to put the pressure on myself to be able to have kids because I don't have that luxury and I don't have that luxury because like the healthcare system in the UK and really across the world having lived abroad and stuff like you know endometriosis yeah they're they're getting better and they've only just started to do different kind of research but the same number of women I think it's like 1.5 million women in the UK have endometriosis and a, a very similar figure of females have diabetes and it's that thing of like if it was a male issue we wouldn't even be having this conversation it would just be there would be either research or there would be a cure you know what I mean it wouldn't just be oh yeah actually we need to cut out like you need to have a hysterectomy or whatever the male equivalent would be you know like that just isn't it just isn't good enough and I think for me when I when I kind of found out officially last year I mean I I always knew to be honest I always knew you do kind of think like this is it this is what I've got to live with now for the rest of my life and obviously you know pain is relative and everyone has different um everyone has different symptoms and what they go through with it but when it comes down to like the crux of like the side effects I'm sure 
I'm sure you felt like every single one at a different point and I know I have like it just depends on the month and the day and stuff but I think yeah the infertility thing it's definitely something that it, cre- it creeps up on you when you don't even think about it and I think now especially like I don't know like a lot of my friends are like in relationships and like talk about just like future planning obviously we are really young we are young but you know that thing of like oh yeah I kind of want to have kids when I'm like 27 or da, 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 da. it's just not a conversation that I would even want to, I don't even want to enter into because that definitely like weighs on my mental health sometimes I'm like it's just not a conversation that I again kind of I had the luxury to have because I don't know because there isn't a cure and people don't do enough research into it really yeah I feel like I should have clarified this at the beginning for anyone who doesn't really know what it is before we launched into it. It's <laughs> yeah, such a yeah, sure. subject. But yeah, basically it's considered one of the most, one of the 20 most painful conditions in the world, which again, with your diabetes kind of statistic, it is one of the most 20 painful conditions and it's just not taught about in school. Like I never heard the words uttered in school. And if I hadn't got diagnosed at the age of 15, I wouldn't have found out about it until Mm-mm. I was 20 plus or until someone around me had been like, oh, by the way, I have this. Like those of my mates didn't even know what it is. My best, like I had to tell my best friend of thought her interest. Like I didn't even know what that was. And yeah, yeah, it's a chronic and often debilitating condition. I'm looking at the endometriosis, endometriosis UK website, which can cause painful or heavy periods. It can also lead to infer, inf, infer, <laughs> infertility, <laughs> fatigue, and bowel and bladder problems. Around 1.5 million people, women in the UK are currently living with the condition endometriosis can affect all women and girls of a childbearing age regardless of race or ethnicity and the impact can also be felt for life on their on their instagram as well they have 62 percent of women between 60 and 25 don't know what it is mm. and that's women as well that's not even men and this I is know. like this is a problem like even women don't even we don't know what it is and i don't even know as much as probably cat like i literally probably only know like a tiny bit more than callum does or you do no, or like same. any guy who does or anyone because i just i know i wasn't given i think that's there's there's also a massive issue with not just diagnosis which can take an average of eight years according to endometriosis uk's website to be diagnosed and i know it took you a lot longer to be diagnosed i was very really fortunate with how quickly i was diagnosed Mm -hmm. despite the problematic (laughs) way in which i was told about it but it is just i think it is this the lack of support there are so many different aspects like infertility is one massive one for me just because of kind of my hopes for my future but also there are so many other areas like daily pain bloating I know recently my bloating has got really bad like I it's 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 like a really cruel joke I literally look like eight months pregnant (laughs) half the time and then it's just reminding you that actually maybe that's not even going to ever be an option for you and that's and that is kind of the brute like everyone's womb is different I just want to clarify to anyone listening I don't want to scare anyone because everyone's womb is different like I was told I had a little bit of endometriosis mine could like not even be that bad like I've been very fortunate to not have to go to hospital or have operations but it does put a lot of mental strain on you because you just don't know because there isn't that research and there Mm -hmm. isn't a cure and it gets worse it's a progressive condition it gets worse and I don't know who's to say that when I get to 20, like 28 and 29, I turn around and I'm like, oh, I want kids. And my doctor's like, actually, it's gotten worse. And I think that's it. It's the lack of support. It's the lack yeah. of research, the lack of support. Like I wasn't signposted any, there are many specialists, mm. but I wasn't signposted to any of them. And you're not readily signposted because there aren't yeah. that, well, there are, there are some, but there aren't probably enough for how many people do have endometriosis. And the process is so long and complicated that mm-hmm. you, yeah, I definitely wasn't signposted to, specialist which I would have really appreciated having someone who who really knew their stuff about it and was able to give me kind of 
the support I needed and examine me in the proper way to kind of see like how much it was progressing and kind of having that kind of up to date and my mom my mom's a nurse and she was even shocked like she keeps being like oh have you not have they not like talked to you about it or like reminded you and like ask for a checkup and it's like no it's all off your own bat I mean just as you were saying like your experience with your GP I remember when I went to my GP when I was like 15 with really bad period pain he was like what do you eat and I said oh I'm I'm pescatarian pescatarian I don't eat meat and he said, oh, that's your problem. That's your problem. You need to have more soup. And like this was legit. You need to have, my mom was in the room. <laughs> you need to have more soup and, you know, maybe try and introduce a more varied diet if you're not getting meat and blah, blah, blah. I remember, I remember leaving and thinking, twat, like seriously, like I'm 15 and I know that this, like that this is, you know, a, a, just the wrong attitude and answer. I mean, clearly he wasn't educated enough in the field. Um, which I was going to say, I think every female should have a gynecologist and the, you know, the equivalent for a male, because it's a part of our bodies. You know what I mean? Like we, like you go to a doctor because there's something wrong with you. It's such an important part of the female anatomy. It's like the reproductive system, if you like. So I feel like seeing a gynecologist, not all are going to be great. I know I've had my fair share of definitely interesting perspectives last summer when I was in pain I was in hospital and I was getting discharged and he was like there's nothing else I can do for you I was, I was still like fully in pain like in really really bad pain on morphine he was like there's nothing else I can do for you like there's nothing else I can do for you and that was it and then he just left and I remember like then getting in the car with my mom and then just like bursting into tears because having a gynecologist like a healthcare professional say that to you and obviously it's subjective this is just my experience but like just like it's almost like all right it's your problem like it's your burden and obviously it is but you're the specialist like you should be at least pointing me in some sort of direction he was like your only other option is to go on well you know I can't remember what it was but whatever the drug was it had like really really bad side effects and um it's something that you want to have it basically stops your um eggs from like um be working it freezes them basically and then like when you then want to have kids you stop taking it so that then you can have kids almost like puts a pause button I need to get the name of this but anyway and I was like no I don't want to do that because you can only do this like once and it's really quite intense to do as well being like so like so young like 22 I would love research to be done so that if I ever am lucky enough to have a daughter I know that if she was to have endometriosis or another condition like polycystic ovary syndrome or something that she would be in good hands that if I wasn't there or even if I was there she'd be able to go to the GP and they would support her and point her in the right direction or the school would educate her on sex ed self-pleasure all of these things rather than leaving it up to us because I feel like our generation especially what has been that generation where we've had to teach ourselves a lot of stuff we didn't have LGBTQ you know being taught in school we didn't have good enough sex ed you know consent has really only started to be a conversation over the past like three four years since beginning of uni maybe beginning of 2018 so it just it just really like important stuff I feel like the education system just missed or skipped over for whatever reason and it's it's not good enough really yeah it's really not I really think that's so important what you've just Mm -hmm. highlighted on what conversations have only just been started and it seems a bit of a joke that like literally it has been that recent for stuff like talking about consent and Mm -hmm. talking about these things more openly and I just wanted to pick up on something you were saying I know you're talking about freezing eggs not in that Mm -hmm. not in the same way I'm going to now pick up on it but yeah it's so at the moment there's no cure for endometriosis and there is research being done but not not as much because people don't know about it and yeah 
I know for me that there are like obviously there are lots of different there's mental the strain on your mental health there's kind of bloating like I know IBS can kind of be a thing which gets spurred on by having endometriosis for me mm-hmm. for like infertility and having kids is one of the major things which kind of runs through my mind a lot of the time and that kind of brought me into kind of searching up on google why those with endometriosis don't have the option of freezing the eggs for free on the nhs because mm. i just don't for, like I, I get it's expensive and i get like the nhs may not have certain funding but it is done for some other kind of medical medical issues and people yeah. and other conditions or problems and for someone who that is all I've ever wanted and like I don't like obviously I want to get a good job that has never been my priority my priority has always been kids and to to be able to just have a bit of security and support and that's it's support isn't it and I've seen I saw petitions there are there have been quite a few petitions to have that like push forward and at least people have the choice of freezing their eggs for free if they have endometriosis like not that everyone gets it but like people have the choice because I know some people might not even really mind that much or yeah exactly and they've all just got shut down because they haven't had enough signatures and stuff because they people don't know and and I did see one thing I did see which was really positive was a post on endometriosis it's so difficult to say as well which really doesn't help endometriosis is endometriosis uk's instagram which was saying i think it was literally just this saturday just gone saying that the department of health has launched a consultation on new women's health strategy and highlighted like the need for change and endometriosis uk is kind of pushing that Mm. is in terms of endometriosis and the research behind that and support offered to women and there being like a minimum level of support so i didn't know what you guys felt about trying to like reflect more positively on how you've seen the world progress in terms of kind of anything really but also kind of in terms of menstrual health and kind of certain issues and how you see it progressing in the future I think I think what's really kind of exciting about the like from now like well 2021 in general I just think that we're going to see a lot of change in so many different aspects because I think last year when everyone was locked inside I think a, a kind of side effect if you like of the the lockdowns we've had is that people have had time to kind of sit and do nothing and during those times I guess people figure out well me me and I can only speak for people that I'm surrounded by what surrounded with but you've I don't know kind of taken you take a step back and you end up looking at the things that really matter to you the things you really care about and the flaws the the flaws of society that are there to see but specifically with like menstrual health and like sex ed and endometriosis I think what is exciting is that people are willing to have these conversations like just like the fact that this you know you guys have a great platform and great podcast I told my dad substitute therapist he's like that's a good name I was like I know isn't it just um but just like using you know the 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 space and outlet you have um which means like your friends listen to it your followers listen to it so then even if that's like you know they get educated on it you know, like I remember the first kind of person I heard t- talking about it on TV about endometriosis was, or menstrual health even, was um, Emma Barnett, who's a amazing journalist and is an advocate for endometriosis research. She has endometri- endometriosis herself. And um, she wrote a book called Bloody Something, Blood, Blood Something. It's really good. Highly recommend. But um, she spoke about she said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm menstruating right now. And she said that on Sky News, I think it was like three or four years ago. And it was like a huge thing. They were like, oh my God, that's disgusting. I can't believe they said, like she said this and like she wasn't allowed back on Sky for however long. And now that's completely, that's completely acceptable. 
and it's taken time but at least we're in a position now where like I can see the change and I can own I can I say hope but I know that if like conversations like this continue and you know like I continue to have those difficult conversations with like my partners and like my relationships and be like I have endometriosis and I don't make it a big deal this is the thing if you don't make it a big deal um then and you, that begins the normalizing of talking about menstrual health of talking about endometriosis or any other issues you have um because it, it literally just starts with a conversation it just starts with a conversation and I feel like that's what I mean as awful as lockdown in 2020 was that is what I think has been the greatest thing to come out of such a horrendous year is that people are willing to talk about extremely difficult conversations and extremely difficult topics sorry and also open up about their experiences in different aspects so I'm excited to see and hopeful and maybe one day if I have a daughter and she goes to a GP he'll point her in the right direction yeah for sure I think just quickly picking up from what you guys were talking about I think for all our like divisions and all our differences like I feel like everybody was united by one thing like our lives were just put on pause and I think it gave people a real perspective that for all our differences there's like we're just all human and we're just all living our lives and I think it's really important that I think for quite a long time people have this like idea like things can only change from like the people at the top like people always feel like oh I'm very like powerless like I can't bring about change like I've got to wait for like the government to do it or the people at the top and I think what I've seen more like throughout the past year and coming into this year is that people are realizing that like we all have a voice and like the more we start talking about things like we can generate change and if we look back in history like change has come about from people unifying together and just for all our differences coming together and just talking about things that need to be spoken about and also speaking about problems which you don't necessarily face I think that's one one thing like if there's one thing which is like come out it's people speaking like up and voicing other people's problems as well and like supporting other people even if you don't share those experiences and you can't say that you have those experiences supporting other people and like supporting their voice and elevating that issue and elevating that problem which I think is really good because everyone has different problems everyone has very unique experiences but if we can all come together in promoting like our voices being raised and sharing those experiences that is one thing which I think 2020 has pushed for and I really hope that continues as well thank you so much for having me on it's been so great no, thank you. Thank so you so much, much for joining. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you. So you actually chose this song, which we are going to end on, and I definitely think I, I was one hundred percent down to have a Beyonce song, especially given the topic of this week. But do you want to announce the song, considering you chose it? Well, yeah. Go on then. This song is from. Beyonce the queen herself and I just think it's such a powerful song and like I'm a man and I feel like a strong independent woman when I listen to this song and it's powerful and it's literally just like you're not defined by like what this world tells you that you should be defined by so this is Run the World by Beyonce. And we wish you all the very happy rest of the weekend.